This is the Line Waits Over Coffee Podcast, Episode 2. Hi guys, we have an incredible episode for you guys today. So if you're like me, I'm sure you've played video games at some point in your life, right? Whether it's on your Sega Mega Drive, your PC, your Xbox, or even your little cell phone, you've definitely played video games. And if you've played anything from Doom to Half-Life, you'll notice that, hey, there's architecture around, right? So is there an architect that's building this? And if so, shouldn't the gaming industry be hiring architects? Well, uh, guess what? They do. They do hire architects. And uh, we found one. So we're going to talk to him all about how his architecture degree helps him be an asset to the gaming industry. And I have to tell you, this sounds really cool. And I wish I knew a lot about this when I was in school, but he's going to tell us also about how he used gaming software to save a ton of time in his design studio. And also what you can do today to join the gaming industry right after you graduate. This show is brought to you by Budget Bowie. I got to try this app three months before its public launch, and let me tell you, it has been the only app that has helped me save money. The app changes your perspective on how you view your budgets and actually helps you make better decisions. So if you need to save money on groceries or stay within budget for a studio project, this app is for you. Again, that app is Budget Bowie. that's B-U-O-Y, and you can try it for free. It will be on Apple and Android later this month. Hey guys, do you want to learn how to use Photoshop to make those renderings come to life or how to use Illustrator to create great plans, sections, and diagrams, and then put it all together to make those well-organized posters with InDesign? Well, we have a great course called Adobe for Architects that you can have for free with no extra cost to you when you purchase an Adobe CC subscription through our website at lineweights.coffee. So we get a commission from each purchase which helps support this show. And as a thank you, we'd like to give you the course for free. So go to our website at lineweights.coffee and click on Adobe to find out more. Thank you. All right, hey guys, we have a very exciting episode for you today. We're joined by O'Neill Howell, who's an architect who designs video games. It's really exciting. O'Neill is a designer at Avalanche Studios in New York City, where he's worked on you know many popular games, such as the action-adventure that came out late 2015, Just Cause 3. So O'Neill has a 3D visual design degree from Brigham Young University and a master's degree in architecture from the University of Florida. So he's here today, he's joining us to talk about how architecture has an influence on the gaming industry. And for those of you who are out there who, you know, you love video games and you had no idea that this was even possible, we're going to talk about what you can do today in school and have that portfolio to join this gaming industry. All right. Hi, O'Neill. Welcome to Lineweights Over Coffee. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> pretty good, man. Pretty good. So, uh, so tell us, O'Neill, like how, how did this all happen? You know, gaming and architecture. And can you take us back as to like, were you a big gamer? How did this happen? So, man, let's go many, many years back without dating myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess I would have to, if you want to say blame or thank my brothers for this, but uh, mm-hmm. my older brothers, but it uh, started with uh, the age of four. They brought in the Atari 2600. That's nice. really old. I'm not sure if you guys know that. It's like right after the Commodore. Um, and just seeing these pixelated characters go across the screen and like us 
being outside of this interface, interacting with something. And before that, as a four-year-old, everything inside the box was like untouchable. So like to me, seeing seeing this and then seeing how we're able to interact with a visual image was amazing mm-hmm. to me. Didn't understand how it worked. I thought there's like I was watching Pac-Man, so like I probably took a bunch of ghosts, stuck it inside the cartridge, <laughs> and stick the cartridge in this box thingy, majigger, yeah. and all of a sudden the ghosts start popping on the screen. You could play with them, but of course, as I got older, I stopped playing. Ran home in the afternoons, and I just played my butt off every game, every game <laughs> out there as possible, and I just fell in love, man. It became like you know my one pastime. Yeah, this is before like flat screens. This is our old yes, CRT yeah. TVs, <laughs> which have that little dot when you turn it off. VHS and, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Oh, man, I remember those days. That's those were great. And, and uh, yeah, Nintendo mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah, no, so that, so of course, okay, you're growing up, you love games. Yes. And I, I mean, I don't think you thought in your mind, like, oh, I'd be working to design these one day, you know, And but uh, that's really cool. You're doing that now. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering how... Like you're gaming. I know architecture is like so demanding, you know. Yes. And I remember I used to play a lot of video games before architecture school. And the second I joined architecture school, it, kind of like, <laughs> it went all out the window. Yes. So I'm wondering, did you, how did that interest continue for you to uh, be able to be involved? I don't know. I mean, like, again, like when I say it was a passion, it was an extreme passion. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> one of the weird things before knowing how to get an industry, before knowing even if there was an industry, because beyond at a certain age, you thought a button was pressed and some assembly line, the game just pops out. So <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. excuse I always tell my mom and my dad whenever they came home in the afternoons, like, get off the video games, go do your homework, which I still did. But mm-hmm. I told them, like, we know, <laughs> hey, hey, listen, listen, one of these days, I'm going to make this. So right now, this is like, you know, hands-on job training, just figuring out <laughs> you know, right. how to break yeah. into this industry, you know, like it's, it's going to happen. Trust me. <laughs> trust me. And, uh, no, yeah, yeah and, like, thank goodness for the internet. I learned that there are actually like firms and studios that are out there that develop this. And I've been keeping a track of the industry since I, I want to say 1998, um, through this convention that happens every year. It's called the electronic expo. Um, Electronic Entertainment Expo or E3 that happens okay. I think every early June that's where like the heavy hitters like Ubisoft uh, Electronic Arts uh, gosh like the whole list Rockstar they all you know these studios I'm sure if you haven't mm-hmm. heard of studios you heard of their games they come out there and they show their best and brightest games best and brightest people and uh, best and brightest games and uh, yeah I've been following it ever since and I said, hey, man, one of these days, I have to be on that stage. I have to be making us. I'm glad I stuck with it. That's a, that's amazing. So did you ever end up going to any of these conferences yourself or you just kind of kept track online? So unfortunately, learning this the hard way, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, they, didn't, they don't, it's a, I realized it's a very close-knit uh, community. So back then, E3 wasn't uh, available to even early to early nineties, it wasn't available to the public, um, even wow. the media at times. And then in the two thousands, they allowed certain media in, but mm-hmm. still wasn't allowed to the public. But literally coincidentally, this year was the first year they allowed the public to, uh, attend to the E3 and it was massive. 
<laughs> they had to literally the the, the I forget which Los Angeles Convention Center. I'm not 100 percent sure because it moves around each year, but it was mm-hmm. packed from wall to wall with fans able to try out games months, sometimes a year or two before they come out. So it was a nice uh, nice seeing that. But um, oh, this sounds like a dream. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I said, like, "Why? Where was? Where was this when I was a kid?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> I might have been in much sooner. Oh, but yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was closed off to the community. But again, games are starting to become a huge thing. I mean, it's uh, now. I think a hundred billion dollar industry has already surpassed the movies and uh, every every other industry. The music, every industry, it's surpassed it, even doubled it. And uh, so now the popularity has definitely gone up. So they're like, hey, let's just make this thing open to the public. It's not a uh, uh, this gaming Illuminati. <laughs> they had to right. they had to break down the walls. So um, yeah, so now it's public now, and it's great. So back then I didn't have the opportunity, so I primarily just looked online, um, and I subscribed to multiple magazines. Maybe I'm not even sure if they're even around anymore. Like GamePro, I'm not sure about rang a bell. Um, IGN is a major website that I followed, and they they're primarily the premier uh, gaming uh, news site that you follow everything from the actual developers down to development products. Interesting. I remember when I was a kid, there was a, a television show that would go over the different games and show you screenplay and things like that. Yeah. I mean, even in architecture school, you incorporated gaming into your work, into your thesis. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So this is what... Basically happened. I went the first. Uh, I went there on the, on the my master's program, the core program. So you know, so it's several year program. And originally, I was I didn't I was struggling in the beginning because it was hard for me to find my identity uh, when I was designing. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to really a lot of the times emulate what I was seeing around me or emulate what I'm seeing from other professional architects and not extracting I mean, extracting. Um, um, Yes, the components really that give my design more of a, a uniqueness, my stamp, you know? Okay. Um, yeah, I understand. Exactly. So, ah, oh, gosh, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to buy time because I the, the professor's name <laughs> completely like <laughs> skipped my mind. <laughs> but one of the professors, including uh, a visiting professor that was there, uh, sat me down and we were talking about one of my renders because I was. That's one mm-hmm. area I kicked butt at because, of course, background <laughs> in Maya and animation. So they're like, "This looks amazing. It's like it's very mm, gamey." I'm like, and of course, I look around at the professor and the other students are like, "Gamey? I'm like, what? This is architecture. You know, what are you doing?" It's like, yeah, it's very fantastical. It's very, uh, gosh, it's I, I can't even put the words together. And it's like, and then it's like, hey, you know, is. That's, and I, I was a little worried because you know how these these uh, these uh, crits go. Yeah, you're like, is that a good thing? Yeah, exactly. I'm like reading facial yeah. expressions. Are, are they not? They're not smiling while they're doing it. They look like they're examining <laughs> a freaking crime scene here. So I'm like, what's going on? Tell me, what is this? And 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 definitely, I ended up um, finding out that you know one of the professors came to me. He's like, oh, Neil, you should go into games. And I was like. Oh really? I never heard that one before. <laughs> Great idea, you know. And so um, I ended up actually from then on forth, the last like two and a half years of the program, I literally like dove into like uh, there's games that are out there called uh, Mass Effect. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. that's a huge one. Um, Zaha actually helped on that one. I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys knew that, but 
Oh, that game cool. Had, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. They brought her in as a consultant on that one. Um, but I ended up instead of that, like, I ended up like making all my designs. I'd hate to say futuristic, but I guess a fusion between futurism and fantasy. And it cool. really helped. It kicked up a notch, and I literally stuck out like like big time amongst my my peers. Um, and I guess yeah, I you finally found like. How you yeah. would contribute in your voice, and yeah, that's amazing. Exactly, exactly. So I ended up like I ended up shining because of it, and I ended up doing um, now with uh, Professor Lee, and we he was my mm-hmm. my thesis uh, chairman, and we sat down and was like, oh, all right, it's been working for me the last two years. Now what can I do here? And it's like, well, you do like your games, and you know you do like architecture. Like you got to find a way to merge this together to have an amazing thesis. So we were like. Overshooting this, you're like, all right, dude. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna like, <laughs> we're gonna do some VR. You know, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna like, I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Like, bring it down, somebody else. Bring it down. Bring it down. Let's 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 start small. Let's start. <laughs> so we ended up. Um, there's actually out there right now, um, and I, I'm assuming I've seen a lot of architects using them now. But there's editors, uh, level editors, and 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 gaming editors out there. Um. And I ended up oh, using okay. the, yeah, I ended up using the Unreal Engine in my thesis, and that's one of the gaming engines out there. Now, it's okay. an amazing software. It ends up like drastically cutting your time in half. Like most students have to go through the, you know, uh, the writing up and drawing up the plans, and then creating the sections and mm-hmm. you know, Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Like you can bypass all this <laughs> with the Unreal Engine and actually do some amazing cinematography with your design as well. So I ended up uh, using the Unreal Engine <laughs> on my thesis. My thesis primarily focused on how can uh, game design, or not, sorry, how can architecture enhance game design or level design? And uh, it, was an, it, was a, it was a great thing. We ended up uh, creating a level. Um, the context of the set really didn't matter too much because it was actually the space that was the, the, the focus. And we tried to create a space in which we want the player to actually navigate it and take their time, take it in. And mm-hmm. harking back when I was a kid, just enjoying and being within space. We used tons and tons of like uh, influences from phenomenology and, and, and studies of, of how light, sound, uh, gosh, even visual textures, I would say, not that you, you Wow. textures you can't physically touch it, of course, but you can see the the, the, the surface and it'll harken to some type of emotional state. Um, there's tons of things that we played around with with that, but it's it was uh, <laughs> it was grueling, <laughs> but we ended up um, getting it out there. And the more the way I scripted the location, which is a kind of a hacky way of like um, creating the space, allowing the space to move around you while you interact with it. The faster you move through the mm-hmm. space, uh, the less desirable the space becomes because you're rushing through the space. Of course, you don't see it. Right, right. Then, but the slower you move and you interact with surfaces and you can go to different locations, it's more of a beautiful environment until if you do it right, you end up in this amazing grotto space at the end of the level, which is nice. The waterfall, okay. and, you know, mist and everything. Wow. So, yeah, it's uh, it starts off very sterile, very like angular and very dry. 
Um, literally, because you start off in a desert and then you end mm-hmm. But that was a pretty cool experience. I've learned a lot through there too. I learned how to do a little bit of scripting. I learned how to do a little bit of everything, you know? And I really wish I would have jumped on this maybe three years into the program. Um, because yeah, I was able to hang out a lot of nitty gritty that a lot of us architects go through. Yeah, I think that's one of the most difficult things for a student is, you know, and we've been through that is, is you, you go to architecture, <clears throat> sorry, you go to architecture school, your mm-hmm. first year, two years, like you're not even sure what the hell you're doing, right? Yes. Just <laughs> putting uh-huh. things together, hoping it's right. And you don't really know what's right or wrong because no one really tells you that. And there is nothing like that. And you're still trying to understand what is design in the first place. And yes. it's so great that you uh-huh. were able to take one of your passions and turn it into something that, you know, was so fruitful in the end as a thesis. And then it also helps you get a career path going. I think that's wonderful. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So let's talk about your job now. You know, we're hearing, okay, you, you work in the gaming industry. Now, what does that mean? Like, what's a day-to-day for you? You know, you say your title's a level designer, mm-hmm. you know, world designer. What does that mean? <laughs> All right. So as a level designer and a world designer, they're literally the same thing. The difference is, the only difference is the scale. So as a world designer, you're taking care of the broad strokes, macro reads from the mountains, uh, valleys, just all the terrain that you see within the world. But you're also taking care of like how one traverses through the space, through vehicles, through planes, all sorts of vehicles, planes, boats, um, automobiles, everything. And also the mechanics of your character, because sometimes your character can fly. Sometimes your character needs to uh, swim. So all those influences have to uh, be put into place when you're creating the world. And as a level okay, so designer... So just for context... Yeah. Hmm? So j- just for context, we're talking about Just Cause 3 in particular, yes. right? Where mm-hmm. your character can go anywhere, ride any vehicle, and mm-hmm. has this crazy parachute slash, you know, that flying squirrel suit yeah. where, <laughs> you know, the character is like, is basically just, just go anywhere. And so exactly. you're responsible for creating a world that's realistic enough Mm-hmm. that your character can navigate through. And exactly. That's, uh, so how does you being an architecture graduate, you know, you're bringing that to the table. What What is it that they're, uh, you, you specifically you're contributing as uh, from your architecture side? So, I mean, I would honestly say the best thing I realized that as I stepped on board, I they literally used me like many architects outside of their uh, fields are, were consultants. So I go there and I ended up um, telling them like one thing that we do extremely well that I was actually surprised that in the industry, some may have struggles with is scale and, and understanding how scale plays a factor because scales can be broken down in many ways, whether it be from like broad strokes, the, the valley mountains again, down to a building and those scales actually influence the gameplay big time. So like me understanding the metrics of our character and how he moves his size in relation to the actual space, I ended up, um, I ended up helping with that and creating spaces and environments that are almost true to real life. You know what I mean? That's amazing. So basically they're coming to you, with a space, maybe it's a village, and they're they're saying, "Hey, can you critique this? Right? Exactly. Does something exactly. look too big or too small?" Or yeah. 
Yeah. You know, what does it need? And and you're looking at this from a, an architecture eye. I mean, this is incredible because this is not real and this is not something no, that will <laughs> ever be built. You know, so yeah. is this you? Get, you're literally just playing with it, mm-hmm. and you can make anything, anything. right? And I think that that's amazing. But at the same time, <laughs> sorry. It's a bonus if it blows up or collapses or falls. You won't get sued. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, I think that's that's so much fun. So they're looking at you and saying, hey, O'Neill's an architect. You know, he's mm-hmm. gonna, he can look at this and make this a little better. You know, I think that's, uh, that's amazing. So uh, can you talk a little bit about more about the scales? Like, can you give us some examples? So one thing is a great example is, okay, so... One thing, our, our studio is a, is a Swedish studio, so we use everything in meters as well. So that was a <laughs> that was a huge ah. transition for me from our, our uh, metric yeah. system here. Um, but um, an example of scale is great. So like our games, most games come in uh, the third person, first person, or uh, if you miss another person. <laughs> but there's different viewpoints second i don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah i understand yeah so you're like you're either you're you're in yeah. the character like you see just just the arms in front of you exactly. with the weapon or something like that or third person is i guess you're outside looking at the character from behind mm-hmm. or around yeah. yeah i'm not sure what second would yeah, be yeah there's there's, yeah. there's multiple anyway. ones even there's one where it's like a weird one they call but it's kind of like over the shoulder view have you heard of a game called oh yeah yeah, yeah that's right it makes it more that's intense right. they use a lot of yeah 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 but yeah there's, there's tons of where areas in which the camera is primarily you're, you're, you're focusing not so much on the character, but the camera. So in our third person okay. game, our camera tends to be a few feet over the player's head. So you have an issue with scale there because it being a few feet over the head, you're thinking that the character has to be, you know, uh, 10 feet tall. So you have, unfortunately, uh. you have to make the spaces a little bit like, say, 20 percent larger than what you normally make a space because you want to give a sense of that realism. You know what I mean? So if it was a first person view, you, the, the, the entire space would feel like a bunch of Tonka toy pieces, like massive, you know, <laughs> buildings, like why is this walkway, you know, uh, 15, 20 feet tall. It shouldn't be that way. Well, because of the game. Oh my God. That's so cool. Yeah, I had no idea. Exactly. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was the kind of the guy that kind of like, uh, passed that on and we, uh, uh, created these uh, building codes for the game that we can adhere uh, to, and our team would actually create the assets that would follow those building codes. It was super helpful. It was fun uh, actually experiencing that, especially playing with scale. That's so cool, man, because that's, that's a very specific architecture school kind of yeah. thing, you know, where they drill you on scale and constantly critique you on scale, uh, and here you are... <laughs> you know, directly using that and going, finally, I have a, I have a use for this, you know, <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> all the blood, sweat and tears. I'm using it now. Yeah, no, that's great. So it's, it really seems that these type of games where you have large environments, where you have all kinds of different scales. I mean, in, in your game, uh-huh. just cause three, I mean, there's small villages to large cities uh-huh. and to landscapes. And I mean, your job is architecturally, you're, you're looking at from, you know, from the scale of the building and how you're moving around the building uh-huh. to the scale of that town and how the streets and the plazas inter- interconnect and then to the scale of how that town is connected to another town uh-huh. and that should make sense. And I find that amazing. Also, you mentioned also the about uh, the characters in the space, the non-program, I mean, the non-playable Yeah, NPCs. Right? Mm-hmm. Even, I think, as an architect, 
designing them is also quite important because you, um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, well, I didn't, I'm not in charge because we have our AI team. So these guys who focus on the actual artificial intelligence, giving these guys um, uh, uh, contextual actions in which basically give them a sense of uh, believability. So they'll have a cycle mm. built within their head to, okay, I need to go here, or if I, I need to go here at a certain time. If I see their character, the main character, which is the playable character, how do I interact with him? That's what they primarily focus on. My role with them was to make sure, like, how can I make these guys believable in the sense of, like, say, for instance, one of the issues we were having, well, not the issues, but a lot of time was spent was in the, the city itself. So unlike a village in which any, the, the behaviors can be very monochrome, in a city, you have, like, the old district, the new district, the downtown business plaza. You have the, the, the beachfront <laughs> right. and all these things. So as, as an architect, yeah. you're like, okay – these spaces need an identity. What can give these spaces identity outside of structure? People. So therefore, I had to sit down with these guys and come up with different contextual actions in which would better like make the space feel realistic. So if you go down by the marina, you'll see a guy down there like playing with a sail or fixing his or, or washing the side of his boat. And then you'll make sure like the business downtown district, you'll make sure that a you have to make sure that the sidewalks were to a certain scale and width to give a sense of like downtown New York. So when you're seeing like between the hours at 9 a.m. and 5 a.m., people rushing, hustling and bustling on their cell phones and everything like that. Or the downtown area, the old district, you'll have the cathedral there. So you see people coming out of church, you see the nuns, you see the priests interacting, blessing people. So like it's literally a study of human behavior. And again, that all harkens back to architecture, which was super useful. And uh, it was great. That experience was great working with the AI guys and helping them out with that sense. That sounds so incredible because you're saying, you know, it's on one hand, you're, you're designing the space, right? And you're making sure that the space is believable and the scale is right. But at the same time, there are all these other NPCs, yep. right, going around and, uh, you know, they have to be believable too. And unless you, one thing is the space, but then also how you occupy the space, yep. where would you sit down or if you were rushing what's the shortest way that you would go or it would it would, it would seem so like so much effort yeah. and attention paid to <laughs> all these things it's incredible absolutely absolutely and and it's crazy because nowadays the games are getting more and more realistic so uh yeah you have to pay attention to those details so it's sounding to me more and more like you know, games of this sort, again, where you have these worlds that, uh, that need buildings or environments that you occupy that, you know, an architect seems like a perfect person to be a consultant oh. or, you know, someone. <laughs> so I know there are students listening to this right now and thinking, hey, you know, this, uh, I had no idea that gaming could potentially be an option. And now it seems like you're saying, hey, it's finally open to the public in a way. Yes. Like, you know, the, the idea that this is a community that's going to welcome people in there. And so, uh, you know, from the student perspective, it's like, okay, well, this sounds great. But, you know, this guy already had a visual design degree mm -hmm. and all that. So I, I'm, I'm trying to understand that, you know, that is part of it. But, you know, you, if you graduate from architecture school, you are still a valuable asset to the gaming industry. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, in order to be productive in the gaming industry, you would have to have some type of 
specific software skills. And mm. uh, let, let's go into that. Let's go some more into the technicalities of it. Just for those students that are listening, hearing your story and going, this sounds awesome. How would I be able to join this industry? Yeah, totally. So one thing is awesome and very valuable is while you're in school, you should definitely spend your time and uh, branch kind of outside the norm, like with Rhino or, or Google, SketchUp and stuff like that. Um, Revit, you should try to look into uh, these different engines that are out there now. Uh, the Unreal Engine, Unity is another great one that's out there. Uh, CryEngine's making a comeback. That's a great one. And most of these engines are free to students, which is amazing. Um, even Oh, this is yeah, great. Yeah, they're free to students. Uh, and Unreal is actually free right now, even if you're not a student. As long as you only pay unless you have to, uh, if you made a game, then you have to pay a percentage, which they dropped it down to like 15%. But that's, we don't have a tangent on there. Um, even uh, Amazon just came out with their engine. That's how impressed they are by the industry. They came out with their own uh, engine called the Lumberjack, which just premiered last year at uh, one of the conventions. But you have a large plethora of like engines to play with, and they are capable of doing everything you need for architecture and more. So you can learn how to become an animator or a cinematographer or um, even, again, a simple a level designer. Or you can even learn how to code through these engines. So it basically expands your skill sets. Um, so I definitely would highly recommend while you're in school – and I know the deadlines are hard because they have like less than a week to build like, you know, a yeah, masterpiece. Exactly. But like during your summer break, so <laughs> whenever, just like take the time and download them. They're free and just look them up. It's okay, so Unreal is free. You mentioned some other ones. We're going to put all the links in the show notes for this episode. Now, Maya is an Autodesk pro uh, product, yes. uh -huh. correct? So if you are a student, you can sign up for an Autodesk account educational account and you can download any software for free so maya you can get for free basically you're saying all the softwares you just mentioned are all free, exactly. essentially just so no excuse guys and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and to learn them i know that sometimes schools have agreements with different uh, teaching platforms or so for example lynda.com mm -hmm. i know that there are schools where if you're a student you have free access to lynda.com and lynda i know has great tutorials uh, on maya and other softwares as well so I mean, the assistance is out there. I guess my question is, so I'm a student, I'm working on studio. Man, I got a lot of work to do on studio. I got these other classes, you know, it's drowning me, but I really like this gaming thing. And I just want to try out Maya and all these things anyway. Are you saying there's a way that you can use that and like, you know, do some type of animation and use it in your studio final? Is there a way that this learning is not just something on the side, but it could be incorporated into your existing studio project? Yes, absolutely. I mean, again, um, that's exactly what I did. I I think one summer I put the pedal to the metal on because like I, I've been using Maya for several years, but I stopped for several years after that. And of course, Autodesk is completely different than from now. But I, I, I focused really hard on it and I ended up standing out making like beautiful renders and like this printing out sections and plans because again you're making a 3d object so you're able to print them out easily and 
it ended mm-hmm. up cutting my time in studio by half. And my, I'd always say like my, just that yes, alone, just that sentence, exactly. cutting studio time in half means an extra night. My or classmates sleep, are like, so how, what, what, how, wait, <laughs> the sun's, what? You know, I'm gone. So yeah, it's, it's worth it guys. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I mean, just, um, I know Maya is being used in some architecture studios right ah. now. I think there's one. Taha was a major Maya it's, it's, opponent, which is amazing. Yeah, ah. yeah. But. Okay. See, like I don't. I'm. I need to look. The, I need to look into <laughs> this just to see, like, what are the yeah. capabilities and how flexible is this? Yeah. It seems very. Uh, you know, I mean, for animation is one thing, but you know, architecture is becoming more and more complex and the things that you could only dream of earlier, you know, a couple of decades ago, now you can actually do and be able to model and explore so i think all these other tools are slowly being you know seeping into architecture and uh soon like you know architects will be well versed in so many different softwares and just styles it'll be incredible no so that's really cool so you're saying these resources that you need to learn gaming not learn gaming that's a a terrible way of putting it but to have (laughs) have the skills necessary to go into the gaming industry and say hey i'm an architect I have these skills. I can contribute. That sounds that sounds great. So, what, what you know, like, uh, how would this work? Like, you, you you know, someone comes to your studio, for example. Right? So uh, I'm tapping into that student who's thinking, "Oh man, this sounds great. I'll learn Maya, you know, and all, and I'll see like how it helps me in my studio work." But at the same time, if I want to target the gaming industry in particular, specifically, you know, what 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 kind of pieces would I want to show in my portfolio to demonstrate that? I've, you know, I can contribute. Okay. So funny you say that. Um, <laughs> I would say less than a month ago, we actually had, I've had this experience. We had a girl from Australia and she, I, I, I can't remember what school she went to, but she wanted to go into the gaming industry and she had a master's in architecture. So we interviewed her um, through several uh, interviews and she almost made it to the end of the interview. But she ended up taking a job elsewhere, um, closer to home. But I ended up giving her some great feedback. So one of the main things that we look for and look out for is process. That's huge. Um, we love to see how a uh, designer designs and his pattern of thinking. Um, so let's just say, for instance, we love like one thing that I appreciate and I've actually a lot, uh, kind of the other managers understand is especially when architect students like we understand like how things should be made and we like when i say things i mean the buildings and the environments and all that but we also have this ability to create a narrative with it as well not just a narrative like Mm -hmm. of like place you know what i mean oh this takes place in san francisco no 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 no. we say a narrative like how we experience it. You know what I mean? We can have this, we have this ability to actually experience it and go through the space and say, hey, this, with our visual, visual uh, acuity that we have inside of our heads, we're able to understand like, this is how we're supposed to interact with the environment from step to step. Yeah. And then most level designers or, or people in the industry, they don't really understand that. It takes a while to understand it. We're gifted at that in the sense that we've gone through so many years of schooling for that. So looking in the portfolio, I mean, uh, plans and sections are huge because it's, they, they help a lot. And this is from like when I'm reviewing portfolios, portfolios. 
And um, my other coworkers are understanding that now too. But it's literally a level design breakdown sheet. And I don't know if you ever Googled like, oh, level design floor plans. They have those too, but they're they're not as as refined as what we do in architecture. So I love to see that. And then in addition to that, um, I love to see how you identify each segment of that space, how the the I would say the um, purpose of each location and in addition mm-hmm. I want like a chronological like narrative of like how does one progress from point A to point B and I know even like that sounds like oh a linear game but no it's the same thing in an open world game you always I say I like to do this thing called a sphere of influence so you draw this circle around each I call them like locations nodes or yeah, okay. and then you actually say, how does this segment interact and interfere or, or, or correspond to this segment? And how does one, when they traverse from one to the next, how does that experience change? So, like, those are a lot of things that um, I would say uh, level designers, including myself when I really started, struggled with. But with an architectural mindset, using your Again, this is a great form, diagrams, because that's what we live and breathe by diagrams. Yeah. So, like, if you can put that <laughs> in a diagrammatic way, it will make you shine like no other. And then you transition from that to your 3D experience and showing, like, how what you just create in that diagram, how does that um, uh, influence your 3D space and how does that become your 3D environment? And we just like to love to see samples. Say, for instance, you're building a clock tower in the middle of, a, of the desert. Like, but then you have, like, how does one point A to point B, how do you get there? And then when you're done doing all your diagrams of giving us a, kind of like the narrative and the, the purpose of the space, then show us in the 3D mock-up. And we love those. Um, but yeah, we, it's literally, in all, in all honesty, guys, it's literally the same thing you do in architecture. But if you just did it in a editor, and show us so that we can actually take a controller and move through that space. Yeah, and you're batting a thousand. Perfect. That's amazing. That's such great advice. I mean, just listening to that, I can see myself a couple of years ago already thinking, <laughs> hmm, if I had heard this, I might yes. be trying some of this out. Just, I mean, just to be able to build your building and walk through it, yeah. th- just that alone. Yes. You know, it's one thing in Rhino rotating around your mm-hmm. building as a character at human scale to go inside your building and explore that's amazing you know (laughs) so neil thank you so much for joining us and that's great advice and if any of you guys are listening and you want to find more information about o'neill and everything we talked about today make sure you check out the show notes below or go to our website at lineweights.coffee thanks thank you man take care that's the end of our episode thank you so much for listening If you like this episode, you're going to love all the other resources we have for you at lineweights.coffee. We have a contributor page where you can submit questions. We have articles and lots more. Don't forget, we're also on YouTube where you can find free tutorials as well as you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stay tuned for our next episode, episode three, where we interview architecture photographer Arietta Atali, who's going to give us some great tips on taking better architecture photos. See you guys then.